Well, hey there, Mama, and welcome back to the Moms Overcoming Overwhelm podcast, episode 86. I'm Emily McDermott, and I am here beside you on this journey as we work together to declutter your home, head, and heart. Well, right now, you are likely experiencing that post-holiday glow, or perhaps the post-holiday spending hangover. And even if you didn't blow your budget in 2023, you may still struggle with impulse purchases and you are not alone. In 2023, the average American spent $151 per month on impulse purchases. I guess that's a lot of Starbucks lattes. <laughs> and that's over $1,800 in a year. Wow. So if spending money more intentionally in 2024 is on your list, Today's episode with Megan Dwyer is definitely for you. Megan is a certified financial planner. She's also the host of the Money Isn't Scary podcast. And as someone that typically likes to avoid dealing with finances altogether, I really appreciate the name of her podcast. And after spending 15 years watching women take a passive role in the management of their money, she is on a mission to help them stop playing small. By challenging the societal norms around women and money, Megan aims to empower women to make money decisions out of a sense of abundance and confidence rather than scarcity and fear. And when she isn't working, she loves running, writing, and being mom to her two young boys. So today, Megan is sharing her best tips on developing a values-based spending strategy so you can go into the new year with confidence rather than with a bunch of stuff you wish you hadn't bought from Amazon. So I'm really excited to bring you this conversation today. So what do you say? Grab that notebook and pen and let's dive into today's conversation with Megan Dwyer. Hey there, mama. Are you tired of all the stuff crowding your home calendar and mind? Do you wish you could say goodbye to the endless to-do list running around in your head? Want to declutter but don't know where to start? You're in the right place. Welcome to Mom's Overcoming Overwhelm, where you will find proven and practical solutions to declutter your home, head, and heart. Hi, I'm Emily, a wife, boy mom, and simplicity seeker. I struggled to get pregnant and felt overwhelmed until I discovered decluttering could create the physical and emotional space I needed to become a mom. Now two kids later, I've transformed my life and motherhood by developing simple systems around decluttering, capsule wardrobes, kid stuff, cleaning and tidying, meal planning, time management, and more, and I can't wait to share them with you. If you're ready to reclaim the time and energy you crave, be present with your kids, and finally enjoy the life and motherhood you so deserve, let's kick overwhelm to the curb, shall we? Grab your lukewarm coffee, your notebook and pen, and clear off some counter space. Let's do this. Hi, Megan. Thank you so much for coming on the Moms Overcoming Overwhelm podcast. I am thrilled to talk to you today. Hi, Emily. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, of course. So you and I connected in this podcasting space and I love what you teach and what you do because I am not very financially savvy yet. (laughs) And I know that you're empowering women when it comes to the world of finances. So I would love it if you could introduce yourself, tell us about you, your family, how you serve women, and if you ever have any spare time, which you may not, but things that you might like to do in your so-called free time. I love it. It's it's rare these days, but yes. Um, So yeah, I am Megan Dwyer. Um, I am first and foremost mom to two little boys. They're ages seven and five. I know same exact ages as your kids. 
I am also a certified financial planner. That is my day job. And in addition to that, I host a podcast uh, called Money Isn't Scary, where I am um, educating and empowering women around their relationship with money. And it really was, that was born out of the pandemic and it, it marries my experience in the financial world with my passion for human behavior and psychology. And it's really, it's, it's a lot about my journey and, um, and my stories and all the crazy things that I think and say and do around money in an effort to help other women know that they're not alone in this. And in that spare time, um, and I say that in air quotes here, honestly, I like to run. I try to squeeze that in a few days a week in between getting the kids off to school and and starting work. That's kind of a outlet for me. And, um, and I also love yoga. I don't do it enough, but I crave it. And I do love my solo trips to Target. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> so yeah, I don't get, I also don't get to do those that often, but when I do, I enjoy them. Yes, there is something lovely about a solo trip anywhere, but Target definitely is designed with moms in mind. <laughs> so I think that I know that's a special kind of oh, yeah. pleasure going to Target. Um, and so on our lovely show here, Moms Overcoming Overwhelm, I love finding out about the areas of expertise of my guests, but also finding out how they have overcome overwhelm in their own motherhood through simplifying or decluttering or just streamlining when you're raising the white flag of surrender, you're like, oh my gosh, I can't take this anymore. And then being able to make a change. So if you can tell us about a time, and this doesn't have to be specifically around finances, it could be about something else, but where you just were feeling really overwhelmed in your life and motherhood. And then you're like, okay, something needs to change. And tell us a little bit about what change you made. Yeah. Um, this is such a great question. Thank you for asking. Cause it brings the um, authenticity and the realness that we're all experiencing into, into these conversations. So I think it's awesome. So I wouldn't say I have one experience, honestly, of overwhelm. I think it's, it's a lot and a lot of experiences that I've had. And I think this is a stage, right? So I am a full-time working mom. I, I work from home in addition to doing the podcast and, and the work that I'm doing there and juggling my kids. Right. And I feel overwhelmed a lot with everything that I have to juggle fall in particular is always a really busy time for me with meetings. And last year I, I remember being completely fried. I wasn't really taking the time to take care of myself because everyone needed me and I essentially had no capacity left, but at the same time, through all my kind of personal work, I knew that not taking care of myself was not serving me and it wasn't helping me. Mindset is huge for me and for my mental health. And so I knew that that's what needed to be addressed for me first and foremost when I was kind of going through this burnout period. So I focused my energy there. I, in addition to prioritizing sleep, I just really started practicing self-compassion and being more gentle with myself. Um, I was talking to other moms so that I knew that I wasn't alone. I reached out for help when I needed it, which is one of the hardest things for women to do, whether that was, you know, the grandparents or a babysitter just to watch them while I did something for myself, which was not work. Right. And I tried my hardest to not feel guilty about any of that because I mattered too. And so 
I think for me, focusing on mindset and focusing on the little things that I can do to take care of myself is really what got me through it. Yeah. I always feel like in the work I do, I'm constantly giving women permission slips because they don't feel on their own that it's okay for them to say no to something or to do something a certain way. And I think when it comes to that self-compassion and self-care piece, it really is every voice in our head that we either got from our own caregivers or from society or from social media or whoever is telling us you should be doing something else right now. Like this is not how you should be spending your time. And it's really being able to say, but no, like I need to be able to get to a place like we've talked about, you know, where I'm not feeling overwhelmed. I'm not feeling like I'm exceeding my capacity and that's okay. And really giving yourself that permission, but it is hard because I feel like the messages that we receive pretty much from everywhere is telling us to do more, be more. And if you're not, then you're not being a quote unquote good mom. And that just causes us like so much stress (laughs) and anxiety, right? Absolutely. And I'll add to that, do more, be more, have more too, right? Yeah. That's part of our culture and part of the, you know, the the work that you do in helping people, you know, reduce the clutter, but that's part of our culture. It's like accumulate, you know, get this pile of things and then you'll feel successful. Yeah. And what I love about the work you do and that what we're going to be talking about is a lot of times people say to me, is there an end point with decluttering? Like, when am I going to be done? <laughs> And I yeah. always say, well, there's not, there's not really an end point because as long as you are changing and your kids are changing and growing, there's always going to be stuff kind of flowing in and out. However, people do not like to talk about intentionally spending their money in a way to reduce the clutter that you have to declutter later on. And I'm curious, because I know that you've had your own personal journey when it comes to impulse versus intentional spending, do you, why do you think that women and especially moms struggle so much with intentional purchasing and often result to those impulse purchases? And then we end up having the stuff with the tags on them, or we have bags of things that should have been returned probably six months ago and they never were. And they're just sitting around and it is that extra feeling of guilt then for wasting money. So why do you think it is so difficult for us to be intentional spenders and maybe more emotional or impulse spenders? Can you talk about that? Yes. Yeah. And I can share some examples from my experience too, but I think because we need an outlet, right? Life is hard. Motherhood is harder Um, and shopping is a socially acceptable outlet. I always say this, like, it's so much easier to say, Hey, I'm going to target. I'll be back in a few hours than it is to say, Hey, the boss to have a bunch of wine. I'll be back in a few hours. Right. We don't, that's not okay to say. Right. And also Shopping is fun. The experience of shopping is fun. At least, you know, it is for me and I'm sure it is for many other women out there, right? There's something about like not knowing what I'm going to find that's exhilarating, right? And there's the rush that we get from buying something and especially buying something when it's on sale. I have a whole episode of the podcast that I did on that topic specifically, that kind of like adrenaline rush we get on for buying things on sale. But I always used 
shopping as my way of coping with big feelings. You know, if I was, I, I feel like I was always kind of looking for something to fill a void, right? Instead of facing the difficult, overwhelming, anxious, scary feelings themselves, because it was easier, right? And obviously it was less painful and it was more comfortable, right? And I started this podcast in 2020 when I was working full-time from home. My husband had lost his job and I had a three and a one-year-old at home. And I was doing a lot of online shopping, literally like buying shoes that I didn't need because I wasn't going anywhere because in my head, I imagined myself wearing those shoes somewhere else, literally anywhere else than I was at that moment because that moment was too much for me. Um, There was so much uncertainty in what was going on in the world around me and in my life. And that scared me so much. Um, But here's the thing I learned new shoes or a new bag or a new dress um, aren't going to make it all go away. It's honestly just probably going to make you feel more shame, right? Because you're spending money on something that maybe you didn't need in the first place and you probably aren't going to use more than once, right? So I think I learned through a lot of introspection that it's never about the thing, that physical thing that we're purchasing. It's always about the feeling behind the thing. And the only way through those uncomfortable feelings, which are part of being a human, is through. Shopping isn't going to make it all go away. You've got to work to to work through them. And that's the hardest part. And, and unfortunately, it's the part that so many of us you know, avoid doing. And I, I'm trying to not. I'm trying to change that so that you know I can encourage women to start to lean into those that the discomfort more. Yeah, you bring up something that really makes me think also about the intersection of impulse shopping and distraction and Mm -hmm. also having everything so readily available to us. So I think about, and you and I are similar in age, the generation of our grandparents, our grandmothers specifically. And at least from what I understand, they maybe went shopping for times a year when the seasons would change. Okay. Yeah. And then now it's, you can get something delivered to your house in an hour. And so when you are dealing with uncomfortable feelings, think about my grandmother on a farm, how does she deal with uncomfortable feelings with four kids being like five years apart? I'm not five years apart, four kids in five years is what I meant to say. Right. And what do you deal with it? You know, she didn't drink. Um, she, I don't, they had farm food, like they ate pretty healthy. It wasn't like she was grabbing, you know, the emotional eating chocolate or whatever. Right. She had her faith. She had, you know, other people in her village. She didn't have Instagram ads. She didn't have Amazon one hour delivery. She had to go through the discomforts of motherhood of which I'm sure there were plenty And it wasn't that shopping was the answer, but now it has just exponentially changed for us. And we have people that are given or are paid a lot of money to get things in front of our eyeballs at all times to make us think this is the thing that's going to make me feel better right now when my kid is screaming at me and I need to escape and I don't have anywhere to go. So Mm -hmm. I have nowhere to go. So I'm going to go on my phone because at least that is like the perception of being somewhere else. 
than mm-hmm. the reality of a screaming kid melting down, which I know you and I have experienced that many, many times. <laughs> and I have done exactly that, gone onto my phone to just zone out, right? To just mentally separate myself because I, I it's like I, I, being in that moment is so hard. Mm-hmm. And there's, I wouldn't, I'm not giving parenting advice at all here because believe me, I'm, I need it probably more than most. But I do think that, again, the only way out is through. And if you sit there and and work through the tantrum instead of kind of separating yourself, both mentally, physically, from that experience, I think there's benefit for both you and and your kid on the other end of it. But yeah, and it's funny how what you said, um, shopping experience and how different that is. What came to my mind as you were talking about that, yes, we can shop online shop, one hour delivery, things are instantaneous, right? Now, I even think about when you walk into a physical store now, a lot of times you have like that line with like, like almost like a mini store with like many things before you get to the checkout line. Yeah. And I just think like that is such an impulse grab. Like that is such a thing. It's like the equivalent of going to the grocery store and grabbing like the candy at the checkout line because it's right there. But this is like more of that. It's like yeah. another way of sort of like quickly just grabbing something at the last minute and talk about impulse. It's like our, our culture again, the more stores that are doing this, obviously is it's a cultural thing They're It's like, they're setting us up for that. Yeah. And unfortunately it's our job to have to have that awareness and pull ourselves kind of away from it and recognize that. So that's, it's something you know, that I think is really, really important and things that I talk about a lot and kind of how do you work through that process yourself? Yeah, I love that. And it's actually sometimes putting on like physical blinders <laughs> on the yeah, sides. Absolutely. Um, I'm thinking of like your Marshalls or like a TJ Maxx or something where yeah. you have Old all Navy of this stuff, it. Old Navy. Yeah. And it is just like prevalent and it's just kind of what we're used to. But what I would love for you to talk about, what we talk a lot about here on the show is living in alignment with your values and what is most important to you. And you talk a lot about having a values-based spending strategy. So it's yeah. easier, it's still hard, but it's easier to put those blinders on because you can recognize anything that is, I'm in my peripheral view, is not in alignment with the values that I have and this values-based spending strategy that is reflective of what matters most to me. So can you talk a little bit about how an overwhelmed mom who maybe struggles with these impulse shopping tendencies can develop a very simple values-based spending strategy? Yeah. And what I'm going to talk about here is, um, is all the soft stuff. This is not about numbers. This is not, I'm not going to give you budgeting tools or tips because that's not what I am about, right? I can do that. And I'm happy to talk through that with you, but this is not what I, the conversation that I want to have with people. But I really think through my own inner work, I have, I've been able to, I wouldn't say stop, but maybe reduce buying things because of some of the self-awareness that I, that I've had. Right. So I find now I'm at a point where I don't necessarily get that urge to spend money when I'm having a hard day, because I know that there's other tools on the toolbox. It's, it's a tool. It's just, it's out there. You can do that. 
but I also know that it's not going to help me long-term, right? So I think there's a few steps to this kind of values-based strategy. So the first thing is you got to know your values. You got to connect with them. So if you don't even know where to start, there are core values exercises out there that I actually talk about. And I love these because I just find them so fun. So uh, I can, I'm happy to share it with you as well, but there's exercises where literally they just, it's a list. It's a list of 30 to 40 different, different core values. And you start by circling your top 10, just the top 10 that, you know, whatever resonates with you. Right. And then you kind of like narrow it down a little bit further. You take another look at it and another look at it until you end up with maybe like three to five right of your top values. And I think that's actually, it's just a really fun exercise to do on you know, consistent basis, just because I think the last time I remember doing this exercise when, um, five years ago, but five years ago, my priorities were very, very different than my priorities are now. Right. So I think it's important to do this exercise on a, on a continuous basis. So there's that piece, right? Like let's actually align and connect with our values and and know what those are, what's important to us. Then I think it's important to start to actually look through your transactions. And I don't mean this in like a shameful way or a judgmental way. And I I think, I think what's important here is just be curious, right? So go pull up your bank and your credit card statements and just start to look through it a little bit. Look at, see if you can kind of maybe see any patterns or any spending habits and see if you're spending in the whatever, pick a period of time, last month or the last couple of months, see where your spending has aligned with those values that we just came up with, right? And and what doesn't, right? And this, I think, just doing this exercise alone is actually really, really eye-opening and empowering because you can actually kind of start to see like the the difference or maybe the disconnect between what you're what, what matters to you and what your actions are. Right. And so that might be why you may be feeling some guilt or shame because things aren't in alignment there. So I think just do this without judgment, massive self-compassion here, you guys, because women are so hard on themselves. And I think we need to approach all of this with, um, with mindfulness and kindness to ourselves. And so I think the the last part to this is really begin to develop that self-awareness. So in addition to the values that we talked about, in addition to kind of seeing maybe your spending habits, start to be a little more conscious of maybe when and how stress comes up in your life. What are your triggers? What are what does your day look like? What are the patterns kind of of flow? When do you tend to maybe get more anxious than others, right? These are all really important parts of the equation here. And this is more, I'm just going to say like this exercise is about so much more than just budgeting and and saving money. It it is about creating a healthy and intuitive relationship with yourself. I believe that your relationship with money is directly aligned with your relationship with yourself. So once we have a, have that kind of healthy baseline or foundation, then we can kind of take it to the next level and start to work through the, the perception and the relationship with money. That is really fascinating and incredibly helpful. And I have done core values exercises, but I never really looked at it as how it would impact how I'm spending my money necessarily. It would be more, Mm -hmm. I guess, how I'm spending my time. But, you know, if you say one of your core values is generosity, then the question is, okay, well, how am I able to be 
generous. And maybe that is with your time, but if it is with your finances and then you're doing all of these impulsive purchases, again, there's that misalignment. But the other thing that I love that I always try to remind myself is that self-compassion piece and having the curiosity. I have heard the term uh, data over drama, <laughs> Oh, I like <laughs> which that. I love that because you're just looking at the numbers. It's not that the numbers are saying anything negative about you. You again are being curious. Oh, that's interesting. I tend to look at Instagram ads as I'm scrolling Instagram right before bed maybe instead of being on Instagram before bed, I can try reading a book this week and see if that changes how I'm impacted by those ads. So you have that self-awareness, understanding your triggers, and again, having that more holistic view of short-term dopamine hit versus long-term happiness and health. So if I know this is just an example from what you said earlier about how it's not socially acceptable necessarily to go to a bar for two hours, but it is by you yourself, know, okay, right? To <laughs> go a to way Target. to decompress. <laughs> yeah, and so I was having my you know glass of wine every day at five p.m. because I felt like, well, first of all, five p.m. is socially acceptable; it's not four. And second of all, I've had a really crazy day, and so this is how I'm going to unwind. Well. I noticed it was messing up my sleep just constantly. And as I get older, sleep also um, really shows on my face whether I get sleep or not. (laughs) And I was like, okay, I have to look at the long term. In the short term, yes, it is an enjoyable in the moment and calming me, or so I think. But long term, it was messing up my ability to fully rest and sleep. And so I had to make a decision about that short-term gain versus long-term health. And so I'm no longer doing that. And it's been really huge with my sleep, but also my anxiety levels, which again, anxiety might trigger you to do shopping or any of the other kind of coping mechanisms to deal with that anxiety and stress. So I think that that's really great because it's that long view having that self-compassion and just really looking at patterns and habits and saying, oh, I'm aware of this habit. How can I change it, tweak it, replace it for something that is more healthy and in alignment with my values and goals? Absolutely. Yeah. And I think the key piece to this, um, which is again, so hard for so many moms is slowing down and tuning in and 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 actually allowing ourselves the time and the space to listen to ourselves because our emotions are always telling us things. Our bodies are always telling us things. So we just need to allow ourselves some time away from the chaos in order to actually pay attention to what what's coming up for us. That's huge. Yeah. And sometimes it feels hard when you're in the chaos to feel like you can get that moment of clarity. And I think that recognizing something that I recognized recently in talking to a coach that deals with um, mom rage and anger and burnout, that kind of thing, is that when we escape to our phones, which for a lot of us is our go-to, it is actually stimulating us more. And so if we 
are, you know, in the presence of our kids and you and I both have two boys, so we know, and they're screaming and pushing and yelling and wrestling and chaos. And it is very overstimulating and I'm a highly sensitive person. So it really impacts me, me a lot. Yeah. So then it's kind of like, okay, well, where do I escape? I can't physically escape my home. I have to be here for my kids. And, but what do I do? And so then it is, okay, recognizing that the phone is actually stimulating me more. And what I need to do is just take that couple minutes of breathing or, you know, just doing what you can in that moment to help. So that's really been eye-opening for me because I feel like phones are always that go-to escape. And that's where it's so easy, not just for social media, but also to buy things because it's just like so easy to do that. Like we talked about earlier. It's a few clicks, right? And Amazon is, again, it's a, it's a, few clicks our kids can even do it right and unfortunately they have before um and then you know there's some the packages at your door and you know tomorrow morning or in an hour depending on what you choose and it's it's just crazy it's like sometimes having the convenience and that is just it backfires i think it's great but it's also it also can be really hard and it can it can have a detrimental impact on us and our mental health Yeah. And I just really appreciate all the work that you're doing. And like I said, having that more holistic values-based self-compassion approach that it is not just about the numbers and putting, you know, dollars in buckets and, you know, so to speak, Uh, I just really feel like that is so important to look at the holistic picture. So I would love it if you could tell us all the ways that the listeners can connect with you because I know that they're going to want to listen to the podcast and find out everything you have going on. So can you share that with us, please? Yeah. Thank you. Um, yes. The podcast is called money isn't scary. Um, you can find that anywhere you listen to podcasts. You can also check out my website, which is just money isn't scary.com. You can download, I have a little freebie on there. Five things all moms need to know about money. A lot of them we talked about today. Um, and you can also follow me on social media. I'm on um, Instagram and Facebook, both just at money isn't scary. Wonderful. Well, I will link all of those things in the show notes and thank you so much, Megan. This was such a wonderful, refreshing conversation and helps me also to translate some of these things I talk about into the money and financial space. So it was really helpful for me. So thank you so much for coming on the show. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. This was a lot of fun. If you like today's podcast, here's what you can do. Just take 30 seconds to leave me a review. I know you're a busy mama. You're overwhelmed, in fact. But 30 seconds of your day makes such an impact. I'll be blessed by your words. They'll definitely make my day. And who knows, you might be entered for this month's giveaway. An Apple podcast, scroll down to write a review. Thanks so much for your time. I'm so grateful for you.